Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the second episode in the eighth regular season of Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ Friends. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is the ever-cheerful AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. We're one week into the new season, and we've already seen a number of surprising game scores and results and injuries and uh, I probably shouldn't be as happy as I sound based on the way my home team is, is playing right now. We'll get into that a little bit later. But there's been a lot of impactful uh, news for each club. We're going to wade through it in our usual format that you have come to know in years past. From a season point, long point of view in fantasy, I would only be concerned with injuries that will keep players out for more than a month. And we've had a few of them already. And uh, without further ado, though, I want to ask my partner, AJ, do you have a quick finger when you see injuries to your fantasy roster, AJ? No, I mean, I, it, you know, it kind of depends on how long we expect players to be out, obviously. But I tend to be more inclined to to ride out an injury um, instead of just jumping quick to to make the change. And of course, it, it depends on who, right? Like if you, um, I'll, I'll use Gabriel Landeskog as an example. You know, we knew ahead of the season that he was going to be injured. So if you took him, you kind of headed into that. Then he has the knee surgery. You've got a little bit more definitive timeline with 12 weeks. I might stick with him at, at this point, you know, given a player of his caliber and, and everything you would expect there. So um, it is a case-by-case basis, obviously. But uh, generally speaking, even for longer injuries, you know, unless obviously done for the year, um, if I have the space on my roster, I tend to ride it out. Um, you know, it's it's like uh, NHL teams putting a guy in LTIR, and he instead of ac- acquiring players at the trade deadline, they just bring in their you know their their guy that was injured for all year. So absolutely, AJ. I mean, there's several pool formats that I'm in where they have a spot for long term injury type. So if you've got an Aaron Eckblad on your roster who's injured. Uh, Gustav Forsling is a guy that's going to be added in a lot of leagues if he hasn't been picked up already. He's going to take up a lot of that role that Lechblad will leave uh, behind for the next 12 weeks. So Forsling is a guy who's probably the second best scoring defenseman on that Florida team, and he should be on everybody's radar if they're looking to, to make a move to replace Ekblad, if they can, if he's available in, in their leagues. But in deeper leagues, maybe Forsling was even picked. So if you manage to get him late, you're looking very good there. So uh, that's why we go deeper into the rosters than most formats here uh, on, on this show. And hopefully those that listen to us uh, took advantage when we highlighted that very fact about Gustav Forsling as an example. AJ, uh, after the first week of the season, it appears to us that several veterans are off to hot starts, including your favorite player. Yeah, to, to be clear, before we went on air, Paul brought up mentioning Sidney Crosby. So I don't <laughs> want everybody to think this is just me, um, you know, touting my own guy here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a solid first couple of games for Crosby. Uh, you know, three points in the first two was held scoreless against Montreal, who uh, has beaten both of our clubs now, Paul. It's uh, not been good for us facing Montreal. But uh, outside of him, Temi Panarin's a player that we said – the Rangers season probably would hinge upon. He's leading the league in points right now. Steven Stamkos has the most goals in the league with six. Um, so, yeah, some veteran guys. Uh, a lot of power play work there, too. Stamkos, four of his seven points have come with a man advantage. Five 
of Panarin's. Uh, Ten points have come with the Amanda Vanis, so they're taking their opportunities there. You know what? As the older of the two on this show, I feel good about seeing names like this popping up uh, at the top of the scoring leadership. Uh, everybody says it's a young man's game, but there's plenty of room for the Wiley Vets. And I made a point before uh, the season started about the New York Ranger, and, and I said Panarin's going to be the guy that leads this team in offense. And uh, lo and behold, there he is uh, at the top of their team stats as well as among the league leaders and Stamkos uh, playing well, despite the fact that his team is sputtering out of the gate. They're, they got to follow their leader a little bit more closely though. Uh, I, and I expect that they will. Uh, I hope that these guys can keep it up because as I said, I like seeing the veteran guys uh, continue to climb the, not only the season uh, stats, but also the all-time stats leaderboards. And so I'll, I keep a close eye on that on a daily basis too. AJ, uh, listeners of our show have seen us go through the 32 teams with uh, little news and notes on each of them, and that's what we're going to revert to in the first week of the season. We saw that some lesser clubs are taking a bite out of some higher clubs in the standings, so uh, unusual references to Philadelphia and Montreal this week will uh, dot the landscape. But we begin, as always, with the Anaheim Ducks. I want you to lead us through what your early observations are about this club. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for them uh, to start the year is is they're healthy. And then, you know, we're, you know, for the most part, and then we're seeing kind of uh, what they've talked about for a while, that this is a young team building in the right direction. You've got Troy Terry, Mason McTavish, and Trevor Zegras are leading the team in points, um, 6-3-3 respectively. Ryan Strom was a player that I think a lot of people were, you know, touting as, as a potential strong addition for them. Uh, his stat line, I think, would be a little deceiving right now. You'd look at it, three points in four games sounds great, but when you consider that all of those points came in the first game of the year, um, the shots on goal have been a little low. So I would actually add Strom to maybe a disappointing end, uh, a disappointing end of the spectrum in terms of start of the season just because it was just a big uh, game opening night, but them kind of building through youth right now and heading in that direction. We knew ne- it wasn't necessarily going to be a strong season for them, um, but they're they're doing what we expect. The young guys are leading the team in, in productivity. And AJ over in Arizona, it's much the same story. Uh, when we noted that they were going to be out with this without their signature defensive beat, Jacob Chickering, we both thought that Shane Gostisbehere would be a candidate to pick up the slack. And there he is at the top of their scoring uh, stats. After three games, he has five points, albeit with a minus four. If you're plus minus factors into your leagues, you wouldn't be picking a lot of players from this club in season long, I'm sure. But based on the offensive totals that Gostisbehere is coming up with, you have to like what you're seeing out of him so far. Uh, he's He's a guy that will play their power play in in Schitcher's absence. He's a few weeks away from coming back, and already the rumors are starting that he really doesn't want to be a part of this team going forward. So Gostas Bear looks like a cinch to be the quarterback in the power play for much of the season as we look ahead in terms of this club's fortunes. And then I'll also note Nick Ritchie, three goals and three games played. AJ, I got a long look at this guy in the early part of the schedule last year, and I was convinced when he was with the Leafs, that he couldn't put, put the puck in the ocean if he was standing in Charlottetown, which is a coastal city there. So <laughs> I'll tell you that I'm shocked that he has three goals in four games played, three games played so far with another assist on top of that, better than point per game. Don't expect that to continue, but uh, keep an eye on him because uh, he'll be a guy that gets a lot of ice time here uh, looking ahead. 
Well, in Boston, I think some of the biggest questions entering the season were, uh, you know, when were they going to get some of these injured guys back? They started the year with a number of guys on IR. They are going to get Matt Grzelczyk back tonight. So that's a boost for their defensive line um, and helps kind of bolster the fact they're they're in this weird spot where Anton Stroman like can play when they're in Canada. So he played their last game, but can't in the U.S. right now due to visa issues. It's all kind of weird, but um Anyway, they'll get Grzelczyk back, still waiting on uh, Marshawn, but he did skate today, and in the first-line role, uh, Patrice Bergeron has been taking a lot of kind of game-day skates off, certainly nothing to be concerned about with the veteran, um, but Ber- uh, Marshawn filled his spot uh, at the game-day skate, so he's trending in the right direction. We're still looking at late November for him, I think, but all signs pointing up. Speaking of Bergeron, Six points through the first four games, so who cares if he's at the game day skates? <laughs> David Pasternak picks up right where he left off, eight points in four games. And then I think the other question is, were we going to get David Krejci back at, you know, if you're a Boston fan, at the same level that he left? And I think so far that's been the case. Two goals, three assists through four games. Jake DeBrusque has really stepped up as he's gotten increased opportunities to start the year. Five points for him as well in three games here. So, uh, Boston looking pretty good in terms of, of the offensive production here and starting to get healthy. And in Buffalo, anybody that sleeps on this first line with the size that Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck bring to the table is missing out on some good production in, in terms of secondary scoring to your fantasy lineups. I think both of them are primed for good seasons. And the guy that will benefit us alongside them, Jeff Skinner, who seems to have revitalized his career and his shooting eye in the last couple of seasons after a couple of dreadful campaigns it looks like he's uh, riding shotgun shotgun in a real good situation for himself and I'm, I was wondering about the split in terms of the power play quarterback role with Owen Power making his debut AJ he's getting a couple of minutes a game hasn't yet hit the score sheet but I think Rasmus Dahlin is still the guy that, that's going to be their horse on the back end three goals already on his ledger along with one assist to show for it. J.J. Paterka is a guy that's making a bit of a splash in, in terms of new faces that are productive. Two goals and one helper for a guy who is playing third-line minutes here, but I'm suggesting to you that if a guy like Erasmus Asplund doesn't uh, start to score regular, that, that uh, Paterka will see himself rise on this roster to possibly do a second-line role alongside Olofsson and Casey Middlestad on, on the second-scoring line for the Sabres. For Carolina, it's another good start to the year. For netminder Freddie Anderson, two wins in his two outings, just one goal allowed in each of those games. Uh, so sitting with a 9-6-4 save percentage, obviously at some point we're going to expect that to drop down a little bit here. Um, but for now, uh, really a, a good start to the season. And the same can be said for some of their offensive pieces. Andre Svechnikov, five points through three games. Martin Nekash, five points through three as well. And so really um, looking pretty good here. I think the concern, which we kind of thought was maybe going to be heading into the season, Paul Stastny just with an assist through three games. Brent Burns, perhaps concerningly, just one assist through three games. But it's early. These guys are on new teams. I would give them a little time to get where they need to go here. AJ Calgary leads me to a number of notes uh, off the top of my head. Uh, one of them is that uh, they have a pretty nice goalie tandem. Everybody knows about Jacob Markstrom and how durable he is, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to have his backup uh, as a handcuff. And so uh, I look there and I see Dan Vladder, who, whose stats are pretty good uh, last year in that role. 
And, you know, he, he's not going to play more than 30 games for sure, unless something terrible happens to Markstrom. But just a little bit of an insurance policy in case they do lose their number one, a venerable guy, uh, in terms of the stats that he gets, regular contributor and among the league leaders in all the top goalie stats. So it'd be a big blow, but still to cushion it, you better have that number two guy on your roster. I think that would be a smart move. And I also like the composition of their lineup. The Nazem Kadri fits in. Uh, the second line center role and off to a very nice start already at a point per game over his first three games. He's better than a point per game, four points in three games so far and uh, fitting in very nicely on this roster from the, from the get go. And Mackenzie Weger was a guy that we touted highly AJ. And uh, I, I thought he'd be a great addition to this club. He's really found his groove already with three assists. Ditto for Jonathan Huberdo. He hasn't hit the goal scoring sheet yet, but uh, the new faces are fitting in very, very well so far in uh, the top of the lineup for Calgary. Well, in Chicago, it's going to be, you know, kind of the expectation is that they'll finish at the the bottom of the, you know, bottom of the table, if you will, bottom of the league. Um, and Patrick Kane's slow start, which is one assist through three games, certainly isn't going to, you know, make anybody feel more confident about that. Jonathan Tay's two goals to start the year, so some production out of him. That's certainly a step in the right direction. What they want, I think, uh, as best possible as they want Max Dome and Andreas Athanasio to produce as much as they can before the trade deadline. Both those guys on one year, $3 million deals, very manageable for other teams to pick up. And so those guys are going to be the ones that are, you know, probably going to get as much push as possible um, on the injury front. Not much really in terms of significant role players uh, here that are, are out. So really no big news on that one. It's really just a matter of what is going to be the asking price for guys like Athanasiu and Dome who are playing with Kane. How much can Chicago get from them at, at the deadline? And AJ, I was excited for Johnny Gaudreau and his opportunity to play with Patrick Liney, but the, the Columbus Blue Jackets lost him in the first week of the season for about a month, they thought. He's already skating, and so... He's hopeful that he's going to be able to come back in a couple of weeks from his current elbow injury. Uh, at least it's an upper body injury that will allow him to keep fit in terms of his uh, cardio with the, with the ability to skate with uh, the club or on his own on a regular basis going forward. But in his absence, they've had to monkey around on the first two lines and they shake down a little bit differently. Gus Nyquist is back in a first line role and he's a guy that a couple of years ago was the leading scorer in Columbus. So hopefully that unit can stay among uh, intact for a while uh, until Liney gets back and cover off some of the offense that they miss out from him. But to the second line, Igor Chinnikov gets the promotion to play alongside Jacob Voracek, one of the better playmaking centers, and Cole Sillinger, young guy, hoping to hang on to a second-line opportunity. I'm surprised, actually, he's got the, that over Jack Ruslavik, who was a guy that I thought would be a lot to be a top uh, center on this club. So look for that situation and keep an eye on what's going on in the center position. Of course, pressure on Zach Wierenski. He's the top uh, producer on the back end. Vlad Gavrikov in uh, behind him in that regard they'll be asked to carry the mail and so far uh, they are doing an okay with with uh, support from Eric Goodbranson as well in that regard so uh, the defense is a question mark offensively for this club for me anyway AJ and I, I think that that'll be a point that keeps them from from reaching a playoff spot later in the season. One team not concerned about a playoff spot is the Colorado Avalanche and look, we said heading into the season, this team doesn't need goaltending. It just needs like a 
a body between the pipes that can maybe stop one <laughs> once in a while. And that's reflective in their record right now. They're two one and one. Alexander Georgiev has a sub 900 save percentage. Same with Pavel, Pavel Francouz. But offensively, this team is rolling. You've got Miko Rantanen with nine points, Nathan McKinnon with eight. Uh, Kale McCarr has five helpers on the year. A couple players we highlighted that we're going to take on bigger roles with Gabriel Landeskog sideline, Arturi Lekinen and Valeri Nachushkin. And both those guys are at the top. Lekinen four points, Nachushkin with eight. I mean, two points per game. He leads the team with five goals. So really taking advantage of this opportunity. A ton of power play points for these guys. I mean, just looking at it quickly, Rantanen with six, Nachushkin with five, McKinnon with two, McCarr with four, Lekkinen with four. Like, the, that's how this team is going to operate. The Goldies don't need to be good. They just need to be okay. And so if you're in a league where you actually need high save percentage, low goals against – like, if you have multiple stats here for goalies, maybe these aren't the guys for you, in part because I don't think – like Georgiev is going to be the number one, but I don't think he's going to be a workhorse compared to some other guys. But if you're really more just in like a wins are like a big deal, then maybe you still consider these guys. If you can kind of ride out the the high goals against average and high uh, save percentage on the other side, really these guys tr- trend more valuable for a points league than they do for a rotisserie league because they're going to rack up wins, but they are going to give up goals here and their offense is just going to bail them out. AJ, when we talked about the Dallas Stars in the past, we were worried about the thin offense that they had in place. They have three power play goals in the three games so far this year. And Wyatt Johnson, who's a third line winger, has one of them. And so does former Leaf castoff Mason Marchman. Marchman, in fact, has three goals and two assists in five games, looking like a great fit in the top six. He's playing on second line with a rejigged lineup. It's worth mentioning now that, that they've taken a different look from what we saw in the preseason. Of course, they've got Joe Pavelski on the top line with Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz. But the second line looks a little bit different than we forecast with Tyler Sagan in between Marchman and Ty Delandry. He, he got a temporary promotion in the early part of the season. And if he can hold on to it, that allows them to spread their roster a little bit, considering their third line features Jamie Benn and Dennis Gurionov on the wings around Wyatt Johnson. So a bit of a different look to give depth to the Dallas Stars that we haven't seen in the past. And Jake Ottinger is off to a great start in goal with three straight wins uh, that the team started the season with. They haven't allowed more than one goal in any of the three contests. And guess who's coming to Toronto tonight? I'm I'm uh, anticipating another strong effort from Ottinger in what should be a low-scoring game there. Incidentally, you can look forward to the later part of this episode. I just teased it with that comment where we're going to be doing our first DraftKings uh, look at uh, the the game lines for for all the teams. So stay tuned for that a little bit later in the episode. Well, in Detroit, the thing, uh, you know, for them, when you consider that they've got Tyler Bertuzzi injured, Robbie Fabry injured, and now Jacob Vrana has entered the player assistance program. That's three players who realistically could be in this top six, uh, but for sure in in third line roles uh, that they're without. So it becomes all the more impressive that they're sitting third in the Atlantic, 2-0-1 being the record here. They're, they're the only team, in fact, in the Atlantic that has yet to lose a game uh, in regulation here. Now, do I think that's going to hold in their playoff team? I'm not ready to go that far, but it does speak to what they're getting out of Alex Nedeljkovic and Vili Huso, both of whom have, uh, you know, greater than uh, 900 save percentages. 
The goals against average is 2.5 for Huso and, and even lower for Nedeljkovic at 2.02. It's a small sample size, but I do think they're getting better net mining that's letting them kind of weather this storm of, you know, top six guys that are out of the lineup. They've gotten okay production out of Larkin, Sunquist, uh, even Olimata chipping in with, with four points. Those are the guys all leading the team, but you don't have high point guys like you do on other teams. You know, we talked about Panarin's at 10. Well, Larkin, he's the most productive on Detroit with just four points in three games. Not a lot of power play production out of them. So I wouldn't expect these wins to continue. There's obviously a trend here, but for now, their goalies are kind of stealing the show. If they can, you know, if Verona is able to rejoin the team at some point, if they can get Bertuzzi or Fabry back in the lineup, Again, we're looking long-term for these injuries. I'm not expecting them back anytime soon. But once they get there, maybe this can be a team at least that's hard to play against and maybe could be in contention for a wild card. I wouldn't go that far quite yet, though. AJ, is there a goaltending controversy brewing in Edmonton? That's what I have to wonder after only the first three games. Of course, uh, the numbers are skewed with uh, Jack Campbell being pulled in one of his appearances this season against the rivals from Calgary. So that raised a few eyebrows. But Stuart, Stu Skinner is a guy that has looked pretty good in the two appearances that he's made this year. That's way too early to call for goalie tra- controversy, but maybe they should be heartened by the fact that their number two has played so well in, in the limited appearance that, is, that he has. I expect Campbell to have a, a very solid year. I, I say this tongue-in-cheek about possible goalie issues. I don't think they have them yet, so we'll save the, the alarm bells for later on if they should arise. But Jesse Pugliarvi's a guy who I'm concerned for here, AJ. He has dropped out of the top six in, in the forward ranks, largely because they're giving Kyler Yamamoto yet another look there. And so the battle will be between those two guys to see who retains that role. It's a plum assignment no matter how you slice it because the other four guys, four or five guys that they have in the top six are all guys that I'd love to play with if I had the chance. They're all offensive-minded guys that have great skill sets in that end of the ice and a few responsible guys at the back end, too, uh, to to make things right, too. Darnell Nurse uh, looks like he's ready to have a big year in support of this offense from the power play quarterback situation. He's off to a three points in, in three games, including two goals already. So the offense looks like it's okay, uh, but uh, this team has struggled losing two of their first three games. Uh, they haven't really hit the ice running in terms of uh, supporting McDavid and Drysaddle like they, they need to to be an upper echelon club. Every time it seems like, you know, maybe Spencer Knight's ready to kind of take over, his numbers just don't don't impress. Um, three goals allowed in his one game this season. Now, he did pick up the win in that contest, um, but that's an 8.89 save percentage. You obviously want better than that. And so it seemed like, oh, okay, maybe Spencer Knight – heading in the right direction. Maybe he can play into a larger share, Um, you know, especially considering in in his two game, you know, two most recent games, Bobrovsky has allowed seven goals on 66 shots in those contests. So um, it just seems like Spencer Knight's never really able to take advantage of his opportunities here. Um, They're going to need to probably get more from some of the guys on this team in terms of offensive production uh, you've got Matthew Chichuk there, obviously six points through four games. Um, but, you know, Barkov, no goals yet. Rud- Rudolph Balsers was a player we said would play a bigger role. He's got two points in four games. For Hagee, two, two goals through four games. 
Um, so some top six guys that we thought would maybe get off to stronger starts haven't been there yet. But of course, I say all this while the Panthers are three and one uh, and sitting tied with Boston for the top of the Atlantic division. So clearly they're getting things together. But I think there's maybe a few concerning signs there um, that, you know, Spencer Knight can't capitalize his, his opportunities. Some top six guys aren't really producing at a super high level yet. Maybe it's just early season rust, but I, I would consider it something to watch and, and kind of monitor, especially if you're a Panthers fan. And AJ, you and I both expected the LA Kings to be an upwardly mobile club in the Western Conference standings. They got off to a nice start, reeling off three wins, but they followed that up with two losses, including one against Seattle, which should be the doormat of the conference, I would think. But uh, the concerning thing for me is that neither goalie's been very good. I thought this was one of the better tandems in the league set up for a good season with Cal Patterson and Jonathan Quick Quick splitting the role there. Neither one of them is keeping their goals against under three and a half. And that's an early problem for a team that has a really good structure normally, even beginning up front with the the ability of their top two centers to play play a strong two-way game. And that's, that's a nod in favor of Hansi Kopitar and Philip Deneau. Deneau coming off his best offensive campaign of his career is off to a nice start as well uh, again this season. And I expect him to fill that role uh, capably once again. But I want to highlight Matt Roy on the blue line here, AJ. Uh, He's a guy that I've I've highlighted with an early season start that uh, I didn't expect, but I like the way he's going and the role that he's captured here. He's playing a lot of minutes early on. He's got three goals and one helper, and he's got eight hits and 14 block shots. If your uh, pools uh, include those stats, he's a guy that could really be a surprise add early on in the season. I think he's going to be largely owned if he keeps that up in the near future. For Minnesota, it's a concerning start to the year with three straight losses. And perhaps even more worrisome is the fact that in those first two games, Marc-Andre Fleury, a 7-7-6 save percentage here. 8.37 is the goals against average, including getting a hook in the second of those two games. Philip Gustafsson has not been significantly better between his substitute appearance and then getting the start their most recent timeout, uh, 8-6-0 being the save percentage there. So really a concern from an offensive uh, or from a, a net mining standpoint here in a position that you probably thought they were pretty short up in, at least to start the year. Uh, the Flurry's going to get the nod tonight. Obviously they're hoping that he can kind of turn the tide here going up against Vancouver. Um, but for now um, it's, it's a concerning trend. And when are they going to get that first win Are they going to be able to start building something here? Look, playoff uh, spots aren't earned in the first part of the season, but they certainly can be lost. And we've seen that before. Uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. It's very early, but they need better net mining uh, to be perfectly blunt here for the wild. AJ, I'm looking at the Montreal Canadiens in the early going. They have two wins in their first two, uh, four games. And you mentioned who they got them against. I don't want to go over that. It's too painful, <laughs> quite frankly. But uh, there's some good news here and some interesting situations that could arise out of them. Sean Monaghan is a guy that was brought over to basically, uh, it was a contract dump by Calgary. And the Canadians were hoping to rehab this guy's career. He's been a multiple time 30 goal shooter, and he's off to a good start already. 
uh, playing first-line minutes with Caulfield and Suzuki. You can't ask for a better role on the Montreal roster. He has a couple of points in four games played. That could be found money uh, by the trade deadline for this club. And I put Kirby Dock in the same category. I really didn't expect Chicago to let this guy go uh, with his age being uh, right fit right in with a with a rebuild that needs to go on there. He's a youngster with a lot of good uh, stats in his background and uh, the ability, the size, the skill I like in a, in a player, quite frankly. And I, I think this is a good situation for him. And he too seems to be making the most of it. He got an overtime winner that you got a good look at, I'm sure. And uh, on the back end, Caden Gooley's another young guy that uh, is making his mark in the early going with a couple of helpers over the four games played lots of minutes going uh, his way. And he's playing a physical game with leading the club or on defense with 12, 12 hits alongside Arbor Jack, Jack I, and uh, on the blue line, more physical components on the back end than we've seen in Montreal for a while. Both of those two youngsters going to get a ton of ice time, and uh, they should be notable in the hits and block shots department. With New Jersey, I was not sold that Mackenzie Blackwood was their answer between the pipes. Um, and I thought Vitek Vanasek signing with them was a good opportunity for him that he might be able to take over as the number one. Uh, not a good first start. Five goals allowed in twenty uh, on twenty-two shots in, in a loss to Detroit. Uh, but you know the door is definitely still open when you consider Blackwood is a three point oh six goals against average, eight six four save percentage in his two outings this year. Now he did pick up the first win of the season for the team, but it wasn't exactly a stellar outing. Gave up two goals uh, in that contest, but I, I think for them. Uh, one of these guys is going to need to separate if they want to be a factor in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, they're currently seventh, which isn't you know too far away from where we expected. They're going to need some other guys to maybe step up a little bit here. Now you've got Heischer coming off the injury, two points in two games. That's certainly solid production for him. But Sharon Govich, which is one assist in three contests. You've got Miles Wood, which is one goal. Andre Palat, another player with just one point through those first three games. Again, it's early. There's rust to shake off here for Palat. You know, he's joining a new team. It's a bit of a transition period. So uh, obviously you give him a little bit of grace there, but I do think they're going to need some of these guys to really start cruising and rolling if they're going to get somewhere, but it may not be enough given the early season question marks between the Nets. AJ, you know that I'm prone to give myself the odd pat on the back when I make a good call. And uh, one of them that I made in, Analyzing this club is Michael Granlund, who fits in very nicely as a playmaker between Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. Through five games played, he's got five assists already to lead this team in scoring. And I think he's going to be primed for a big offensive season as long as he holds on to this plum assignment. On the back end, I'm really excited for Ryan McDonough and the opportunity that presents itself here for him, too. He was uh, maybe the third best offensive option in Tampa. He moves up to number two for me in this lineup. And in the early returns, he's got three helpers on his ledger as well. He's going to get a lot of minutes here in offensive roles that he didn't get in the past. So that's going to help his numbers across the board. If we're looking for anybody that is disappointed so far, it might be the goaltending situation where they've given up a few more goals than they would like in the three most recent losses that they've incurred. It's a good start to the season for the New Jersey Devils here. Two and one is the record. Both Sorokin and Varlamov uh, playing really well. Sorokin going to make his third start of the year tonight. 
um, heading into that contest. What hasn't really been working for them is, again, some guys that we expect to produce more simply aren't. Um, that you know, um, you look at Kyle Palmieri and Josh Bailey, both top nine forwards for them, no points through the first three games. Bailey, especially, is a player that we kind of thought, or at least I kind of thought, maybe could play into a bigger role, especially if somebody got hurt or somebody started to drop off a little bit. That really hasn't been the case for them, and so they're going to need some of these guys to start stepping up. You know, we we both love Noah Dobson. We think he's a great offensive piece on the blue line. But the fact of the matter is this isn't the guy that should be leading your team in points. Um, you know, it, it's, it's gotta be more from, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave Lee and Barzell out of it. They've had decent production out of the top, but some of these other guys, I'll lump Jean Gabriel Pajot in there two assists through three games is, is fine production. Um, but they're going to need more from guys that want to be in the top six, specifically, Bailey and Palmieri. And AJ, I'm going to give myself a second pat on the back early in this episode for Artemi Kapanarin. That call uh, I made as well early in the season with 10 points in four games played. He's off to a fabulous start and ready to reclaim a spot as a top 10 scorer in terms of points in this this league. I think he's going to lead the Rangers. I made that call in my analysis of the club in preseason, and he's well on his way to doing that. Right behind him, though, Mika Zibanejad picking up where he left off. And then behind him, Adam Fox is, is a linchpin on the defense, as we expected. But some youngsters are also taking a, looking like they're ready to take the next, next step. We were waiting on Alex Lafreniere and Capo Caco, both of these guys, very high draft picks in the last couple of years, to uh, spark this, this re- reboot that the team has done on the fly. And they're both in the points column already, which is a very, very good early sign for a club that's won three of their first four games. I would keep an eye this year on on Anton Forsberg and how the next little chunk of uh, games works out here while we're without Cam Talbot in Ottawa. Um, Talbot has been, you know, started skating today, but we are expecting, you know, November for the return here, um, probably mid-November. Um, but Forsberg to start out the year, numbers not not great, but not terrible. Um, but I think what's most like kind of intriguing here is he's going to make his fourth straight start of the year. So they're clearly not worried about giving him a heavy workload. Now, it could be that they're just like, well, he can rest when Cam Talbot comes back. That's certainly a possibility. But if Forsberg can play just a little bit better, I would expect that maybe he can earn at least a split share. So if you're looking you know, for that third netminder, maybe, um, you know, uh, kind of filler there that you kind of rotate in periodically. Forsberg might not be a bad choice if he's going to play into a bigger role in this uh, this uh, lineup. Hey, Jay, in Philadelphia, it looks like John Tortorella's lit a fire under some people and, and they're producing like they have in the past. Kevin Hayes uh, looks healthy again and he's off to a nice start leading the club with six points in four games played right behind him, Tra- right beside him. Travis connecting with four goals and two helpers. Uh, rediscovering a shooting eye that kind of deserted him last season. I'm kind of surprised that they put D'Angelo and Provorov together on the first defense pairing. It seems to me all offense in that grouping, but uh, you can't knock the early returns, at least offensively. Five points for D'Angelo, four for Provorov, 
and both sitting there with plus records on the plus minus. So that part of it is working as well. But I'm happy to hear and see that Morgan Frost is getting a long look at this opportunity in the second line scoring role and seems to have responded with two goals and one helper. We're finally seeing a high draft pick from a couple of years ago take those first steps in a positive direction for a Philadelphia club that's come out of the gate looking very good. And maybe a surprise component on the back in the Nets is Felix Sandstrom, who may push Carter Hart in the Nets. He's made an appearance as as the backup goalie, but Hart, for his part, has responded with three straight wins, two goals against average through the first three assignments that he's had this season. And AJ, that brings us through the first 20 teams that we've looked at in this episode. We're going to take a break. Let's pause to give our sponsors some airtime. We'll be back with some news and notes from the rest of the clubs around the league. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Satsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Okay, we're back, and I want to flip it over to AJ to remind our listeners how they can reach out to us during the course of the week and also to give our nod to our primary sponsor at Caesars. Over to you, AJ. Yeah, with the NHL season in full swing now, and of course the NFL is uh, you know, in the midst of their year as well, there's no better time to try Caesars Sportsbook today. Anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free bet up to $1,500. We'll have some bet options for you later today in the show, so certainly check that out as well. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbooks or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. Of course, as Paul mentioned, if you do have questions about some of the bets that we lay out today, about your team, about fantasy trades, you're contemplating any sort of aspect of hockey. Again, if you really want, I'm sure Paul would talk some baseball with you. I'll uh, get into some EPL questions if you have those as well. (laughs) We are always willing to interact with you on social media there. Over on Twitter, you can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. Okay, AJ, why don't you lead us back into a look at the rest of the teams, beginning with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a up-and-down start, as you're aware, Paul. Um, it's great to see your team getting some wins, but then you lose one to the Canadians, and you're confused as to what's happening. Um, for the Penguins, you know, the nice part is it was uh, Casey DeSmith in that loss. And really, it's hard to blame DeSmith on that one. Three uh, three goals allowed is a decent performance from a backup netminder, especially when you're on the road. Just two, uh, two goals by the Penguins. But I think the important things here for Pittsburgh fans, myself included, is the fact that uh, Jari has looked really solid to start the year. That's not a huge surprise. And then, you know, I'll take the the turn this time, Paul, about touting uh, our calls preseason here. I said Evgeny Malkin was going to come back angry and motivated. Three goals, one assist through the first three games. I would expect that to continue. They've gotten goals uh, and some production out of the guys that that we highlighted, some question marks. You know, 
can Kasperi Kapanen step up? Two points in three games. Can Jason Zucker step, step up? Three points in three games. So those are kind of those two linchpin guys. Still looking for a little bit more from Jeff Petrie, but like I said, with a number of other players that have made moves this season, some of that's going to take a little bit of time um, before they can get up and running. You know, new team, new systems, it's, it takes a little while to learn. Um, and so for most Penguin fans, I'm sure we're feeling pretty good, although we'd like to put that Montreal game in the rearview mirror as quick as possible. No question. I know what that feels like. The Seattle club, they're looking every bit like a second-year club. Uh, people uh, measure them against Las Vegas. I think Vegas had a much better uh, takeoff point with the ability to draft uh, and, and strategize. A uh, bit of a surprise that other teams learned from in terms of preparing for allowing Seattle into the league and managing their rosters a little more uh, appropriately in protecting their assets. But I'm, st- I'm watching the youngsters on this club, AJ. Manny Beneers is a guy that people expected to take his first big, big step. He's looking very good with four points in his first five games, a minus six. So detracting from that a little bit, you've got to expect that the, the, that the, the plus minus will get better as this team improves. And his skill set as a 200-foot player improves as well. But measure that against what we're seeing from Shane Wright. And you see that Beneers has taken advantage of being two years pro, uh, albeit one of them, in, in a minor league or back in uh, for seasoning for a year before he got his real first try. They're throwing Shane right, right into the deep water in the early going. He's got three games under his belt. I'm not sure that he's going to play beyond nine, and he may go back to junior, but it's interesting to note that he has one assist, and he hasn't really been a big part of the offensive uh, production from this club. The guys that are taking advantage of the opportunity are – Andre Burkowski with five points and Oliver Bjorkstrand with four. They're going to be the guys that carry the mail much of the season, so it's nice to see that they're off to a good early start. Justin Schultz, late uh, defenseman with three points in five games. You know a little bit about his background from his time with your club, and uh, he's bounced around a little bit, but the experience that he brings is valuable to this team and uh, will settle him down at both ends of the ice with uh, what he knows between his ears. He's got a lot lot to share. AJ, up next to you. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I think with uh, with San Jose here. Um, uh, sorry, I, I got got bumbled up there. I was on the wrong team, Paul. Um, with with San Jose, you know, we're looking at uh, what you know, what can they get? When where can they get wins? Um, and so, I think you're looking, you know, between the pipes is kind of a question. Can Capo Caco uh, take over as a full time starter here? Or is he going to have to split with James Reimer? Um, so far, it looks pretty even, although Reimer is going to go tonight, which would make the split 4-2. to two. I think some of that has to do with the goals against average from Kakunin being over four right now. And they're obviously looking for better from him. Uh, offensively, you know, you're looking at guys like Timo Meyer, one assist in five games, certainly not good enough there. Uh, Kevin LeBanc is pointless through those five contests. And so uh, there's a lot that's not working for San Jose and it's reflective in where they are in the standings. And the St. Louis Blues, a team that we don't have much of a book on in the year they're going, but they have two games and they turned them both into two wins against Seattle and Columbus. So against lesser opposition, they've done what they needed to do. That's a uh, nod to the veterans on the squad who are off and running. Vlad Tarasenko and Braden Chen leading the offense with five and four points respectively. It's interesting to see Justin Falk 
uh, off to a good offensive start, two goals and one assist for this defenseman who has been one of the higher point getters on defenseman scoring early in his career. And he looks like he's wanting to make a case for himself in that regard again. But this is a really good veteran decor, AJ. That It's worth mentioning that they have a four-pack of veterans back there that I really like. You've got Nick Letty and Krug and uh, Pareko, in addition to Falk, that's a pretty nice top four to, to begin your season with and the envy of most other clubs around the league, I'll say. And one Jordan Binnington must be very happy to be playing behind them. He's got only five goals against in his first two games played, looking to right himself after an ordinary campaign last season. Well, I'm not sure when the last time we possibly saw this, but currently the Tampa Bay Lightning sit last in the Atlantic Division. Now, am I ready to write off the team that's been in the Stanley Cup Finals for three straight years, including two wins? Certainly not. But it's uh, not the best start to the season, obviously. Now, we mentioned Stamkos rolling six goals plus an assist in four games. Nikita Kucherov, no goals yet, but five assists. So not a ton of concern there. You've got Nemesikov, three goal, uh, three assists, also no goals. So I guess when you kind of tally all that up, maybe you do start to get a little bit worried that they're so heavily dependent right now on Steven Stamkos for goals. I mean, you look at the goal count, uh, it's 10 total goals for the team, six for Stamkos, and then the other guys scoring are Cal Foote, Ross Colton, Braden Point, and Corey Perry. That's a little bit heavy dependent, especially when you consider Corey Perry is basically a power play specialist at this point in his career. And that goal did come with the man advantage. So they're going to eventually need somebody else to score more goals for them. They could obviously use a little bit better net mining. Brian Elliott was shelled in his loan out outing this season, gave up five goals on 44 shots. Veseleski has looked just uh you know, normal nine one two is the save percentage. They're really not used to him being uh, anything less than superhuman to start the year. So uh, maybe some slight concerns, but nothing that I would expect to carry on far into the season. AJ, uh, with the Maple Leafs, they've played four games, and if I bet with my heart, my head instead of my heart, I would have picked them to win the games they lost and lose the games that they won. So that's <laughs> that's how confusing it's been with losses against Arizona and Montreal, offset by wins against Ottawa and Washington in the early going. And uh, tonight they host a Dallas club that is pretty good defensively, so a very stern test for the Toronto club. Ilya Samsonov off to a nice start. Looks like he's got the his nose out in front of Matt Murray, who's sidelined with an injury. And I guess you saw this coming right away as soon as they signed him with an early injury after his first game. He's going to be out for several weeks. So a real chance for Samsonov to solidify himself as no bet, no worse than a 50-50 split in the situation in Toronto. And he couldn't ask for a better launching pad from, for a one-year contract that he took at $1.8 million. I think that was a very smart idea to bet on himself the way they did. he did. In terms of looking ahead to the, for this club, they made a very key move, I think, that they brought up Nick Robertson for tonight's game. He was a, a guy that scored very well in junior and in the minors before that. Uh, the the opportunity he's getting now and uh, the only reason he didn't make the roster out of camp is because of the tight salary cap situation but they've got a lot of room now because they've got a couple of injured guys including Murray and uh, Jake Muzzin on the IR so that freed up a lot of money in the injury uh, reserve and uh, allowed them to make some moves Wayne Simmons is up too to give them a little more bite it won't be long before he gets in the lineup I don't think either if the bottom six doesn't start to produce a little bit another 
development there. Alex Kerfoot moves into a third-line role. That's very appropriate for him to be alongside Peter Engvall and Kelly Yarncroft, a new addition to the club who's looked very good among the bottom six players so far. After going like completely statistically quiet, Connor Garland was a healthy scratch against Columbus on Tuesday. In that previous game on Monday against Washington, like I, I'm not kidding you when I tell you completely not even a hit, not a block, um, just 14 minutes, about 15 minutes of ice time in which he did nothing really statistically significant. So they scratched him on Tuesday. He is going to be back in the lineup here. Uh, so obviously message sent and perhaps another player getting a message sent to him is Nils Hoglander. Um, he has just one point in, in four games to start the year. Uh, numbers I really didn't think were that bad or, or that terrible, but obviously um, they're shuffling him around. And, and I think there are other players who could potentially get bounced from the lineup over the, either one of these two. Um, so I, I really do think we're looking at a potential um you know, benching, if you will, for Hoglander here. So it'll be something to kind of monitor. Vancouver did pick up an injury to Tucker Pullman, who's considered a game time call for tonight. That's not a huge impact on their blue line, um, but uh, we'll have to see uh, how that shakes out for them. And AJ, when we portrayed the Vegas Golden Knights in, in the preseason rankings, I think we may have undersold this club. Out of the gate, they're playing very solidly defensively. There are goals against right around the two mark, and both Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill are being aided and abetted by a, by a very solid-looking structure there. They're allowing 30 shots on goal, but from what I'm seeing, they're keeping the dangerous opportunities, uh, minimizing them as best they can, and that's worked out to their uh, defensive stats. And then you, you measure that alongside the offensive production, and... Uh, They've got the usual production from a guy like a Jonathan Marchessault. Jack Eichel's looking healthy with three points in four games played. Chandler Stevenson continues to be effective. And a healthy Mark Stone is among the point leaders here. And uh, on the back end, of course, Alex Petrangelo tied for the team lead with three points uh, on offense. And Shea Theodore with two in four games played. Look for those guys to be among the defensemen scoring leaders in the NHL, particularly if this team continues to be successful. So a lot more positive than we anticipated thus far in Vegas. And that's got to have some people smiling on the left uh, side of the continent. For Washington, you know, you already looked at their center position and thought maybe it was a little thin or, or trending a little bit thin, especially with Nicholas Backstrom on the IR and really out expected until January. And then is Evgeny Kuznetsov picks up the one-game suspension. Obviously, it's not a huge length of time that he's out, but we're going to get a look at what a Washington team centered by potentially Lars Eller as their number one center might look like. Um, and I'm not expecting it to look particularly good. Obviously, anybody playing with Alexander Ovechkin looks better um, just by proxy, but there's definitely some concerns on this team. You're going to see the lineup shuffling pretty heavy even with that. Uh, you know, Tom Wilson is still out. Connor Brown um, is another IR player for them due to a lower body injury. He came over from Ottawa, I think, with kind of some big uh, potential expectations here. And so now you've got a top line, sure, Alexander Ovechkin on the left, but now Lars Eller in the middle, Connor Sherry on the right. And then that makes your second line just look that much, you know, kind of questionable. Alexi Protas on the left, Dylan Strom in the middle, and TJ Oshie on the right. There's a, not a lot going on here other than 
Alexander Ovechkin. And so that's obviously a very big concern here. Uh, AJ, when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, I was concerned with what I'd get out of Blake, Blake Wheeler. I think this guy's a pro's pro, but uh, stripping him of the cal- the captaincy had to be a blow to the ego a little bit. And uh, the fact that they formally have not recognized him among the leadership group this year is a bit of a concerning element for me. But nonetheless, he's off with a couple of points in the first three games played. The usual suspects are doing their thing, AJ, but uh, they were fortunate to reacquire Mason Appleton, I think, last season. And he's a guy that has a chance now while Nick Ehlers is out day-to-day with an injury. Appleton has been moved into the top six. And Cole Perfetti is another guy that's finally found his way to the top six. This guy was another prolific scorer and junior. He's got two points in three games played in that role on the second line. So a little bit of uh, new faces there. Uh, and a new look on the top six at the moment. Ehlers, as I said, won't be gone for very long. And uh, on the back end, they have a nice mix of uh, physicality and uh, scoring power uh, from the blue line. Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, again, you don't see two offensive-minded defensemen put together very often, but Morrissey is a guy that's capable of playing at both ends of the ice, and uh, he's got two assists in three games played so far, and Pionk will be a power play quarterback for this team for much of the season. He's got two goals to show for his record, and of course, they're getting the workmanlike effort that you would expect out of Connor Hellebuck, who this club's on the second of back-to-backs, and wouldn't surprise me if Hellebuck continues to play because this team wants to get him between the pipes as, as often as they can. Big save Dave is not big save Dave anymore, AJ. That's the problem in Winnipeg when they don't have their starting goalie this season. And now we come to the new part of our show. We're going to do a, a DraftKings Sportsbook segment, folks, and we're going to take you through a large slate of games tonight. Uh, and we're going to look at the puck lines, totals, and money lines for each of these games. First on the list, Dallas and Toronto. AJ, what do you make of this matchup, and where would you bet some money? Yeah, I think, you know, the the obvious look, you know, you've got the Maple Leafs coming in as, as a favorite at minus 180. Uh, pretty high total here sitting at six and a half. I'm not sold on that one. Um, So for me, that's actually where I most likely target this game. You can get under six and a half goals at plus 105. Um, It just seems really high. I, you know, I think Samsonov is going to, you know, really probably take the, you know, take the reins here with, uh, with Murray out. At least I expect him to, he's only given up two goals in each of his first two games. Dallas, uh, you know, obviously Scott Wedgwood is going tonight. So there is a concern that the goal total could be a little bit higher, um, but just six and a half felt really high to me. So I, I was looking at the under um, for this one at, at plus 105. AJ, I look at the Anaheim Boston game in Boston. I see that the Bruins have on the puck line a plus 115 should they win by two goals. The over under set at six and a half and the money line favoring Boston heavily. So I'm shying away from the money line. I do think it's a Boston win in the offing here, and I'm happy to take them on the puck line for that bet. The over-under may be a tad bit high just because I trust the Bruins' defensive structure more than that line would suggest, but uh, I do feel comfortable taking them on the puck line in that one. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think, you know, I'm a little worried two and a half is is a lot. Um, So I think I'll tend away from that and look more at goal score odds for this one. I like that you can get David Pasternak at minus 105 as an anytime goal scorer. And I also like Jake DeBrusque at plus 190 for a goal. I think that's pretty good value um, for a guy that, you know, is still flying a bit under the radar, playing in a bigger role right now. AJ, the next game on the docket is 
the uh, where am I here? <laughs> the L.A. Kings Pittsburgh Penguins contest. I'll go first on this one. The home side depends are a plus 115 for a two goal win. As I mentioned, the Kings are giving up a lot of offense and the Penguins are capable of scoring a lot. So I think the over is in, in jeopardy here. It's set at six and a half with a minus 130 payout. And uh, the Kings on the road are a plus 165. I don't think this is a game that Penguins can should lose. So I'm again going to the puck line for, for the win on this side. Yeah, just to give, you know, kind of a, a different option. I actually like both goalie over props in terms of saves in this one. Tristan Jari, 27 and a half is the line here. I think that hits the over. You've got a pretty um, offensively, you know, maybe not the best in the league, but the Kings are trending in the right direction. They've made some upgrades. I think they can put more than 20, you know, 27 shots on on Tristan Jari here. And then Calvin, uh, Cal Pedersen here. The line is 30 and a half. You know, Pittsburgh has had a bit of a shoot first mentality so far to start the year. Um, They obviously the offense was rolling in the first two games, maybe not against Montreal there. But I think both these over totals should hit. You give up a little bit of juice on both, but I I think they still offer value to, to snag those. And then, AJ, we go over to the next game in the lineup, and that's Nashville and Columbus. The expansion cousins are meeting tonight, and uh, the visitors are a heavy favorite here. Uh, minus 145 on the money line and a plus 180 on the puck line. The over-under is set at 6.5. What do you like out of this game if you had to pick a team outcome? Yeah, if I'm looking at you know just taking a, a team to win, I, I think it's going to be Nashville here. Um, you know, I... I I think the Blue Jackets have a lot of gaps in the in their lineup overall. Um, so I would take the Predators in this one. There's not a ton of places that you can really get, um, you know, a, a, a ton of value here. Um, so I probably would overall, if I'm honest, stay away from this one. I'm not confident they could win by two, but I don't really want to give up minus 145 on the money line. Um, maybe a few player props you could pick out, um, you know, depending. But overall, I think I'm going to back away from from that one. Uh, the Sharks and the Rangers, this sets up as a, a nice win for the Rangers. So the home side on the, on the puck line, you would imagine it's not very good payoff, a minus 115. A visitors minus 105 should the Sharks pull an upset win by two the over-under set at six and a half that's rather high I would tend to go on the lower side myself and uh, the money line really shows you how one side of this game is going to be so you might head over to the, the individual player props and look for the goal scoring prop like on Artemi Panarin is a minus 125 if you go over a 245 I should say to go over so that's a healthy payout for a guy who's carrying a hot stick and on the other side Logan Couture minus 105 uh, leads the charge for the offensive types on the San Jose side of things. Well I mentioned you know you uh, Panarin on the goal goal score prop I like that one a lot but I mentioned that half of Artemi Panarin's points have come with the man advantage and you can get him over half a power play point. So just one power play point at plus 140 here. I think that's a really good value to get out of a guy who's producing at a high level with the man advantage. AJ, two also rans who uh, have got some wins under their belt in the early part of the season meet tonight. Arizona's at Montreal. And uh, I really don't know what the form chart would suggest here. you got to think maybe Montreal should take advantage of the fact that Arizona's 
uh, a visitor tonight. They're plus 130 on the puck line. They're minus 175 on the money line. The over-under is set at 6.5. Maybe we do get a high-scoring game. I don't trust it, so I'm shying away from this one in terms of everything except maybe Montreal on the, on the puck line at home. Yeah, I actually like Montreal on the puck line at home on this one, too. Plus 130 is the value there. This Arizona team is just bad. Um, and Montreal's pulled off some wins against some top teams. Um, I'm not going to say that they're they're a playoff team or that's going to hold by any stretch of the imagination, but they are playing a very, very poor Coyotes team. Uh, so winning by two should be pretty easy for the Canadians tonight. Then we got Washington and Ottawa, a battle of the capital cities for North America. And uh, the Caps are on the road. They're plus one, uh, minus 245 on the puck line. Ottawa plus 205 on the puck line. The over-under again set at six and a half. And the, uh, the money line is even for both teams. Interesting at minus 110. So it's an even game uh, according to what I'm seeing here, AJ. Do you have a lean in mind? I think I might take the visitors in this one. Well, I just got done highlighting all my concerns about the Capitals' forward ranks. So for <laughs> me, uh, I'm just going to take Washington simply on the money line at minus 110. You're not giving up that much juice. Um, they're they're playing you know at home here, so I think it's a good spot for them to be in. Uh, as I said, Forsberg getting the start tonight, um, so I, the net mining there has been decent. So yeah, I'll just take the Senators straight on the money line. Okay, and uh, next game is a battle in uh, New, Jer- New Jersey, New York area where the Devils take the bus over to play the Islanders and uh, the rivals will uh, will throw away the records here because when these two teams meet, it doesn't matter where they are in the standings. You're going to get a, a rough and tumble game, I think. And uh, the line is uh, not a very wide one between the two teams. The Devils on the puck line are minus 200. They're, the Islanders at home are plus 170. I think that's where I might lean in terms of my value there, AJ. The over-under is set at six. I do think this is going to be a low-scoring game, so I might take the under. The Devils on the road are a plus 130 on the money line. Yeah, for sure I'm taking the under on this one. Um, you know, we're not talking about two offenses that have been uh, very prolific to start the year. I mean, you've got the Devils 2.67 uh, is the goals four in this one. Um, the Islanders have been a little bit better, but they've only played three games. Um, so I, I'm going to shoot the under on this one. You get it. Like like you said, Paul, you get uh, you know under six comes in at even money um, for the under. If you want to you know take that, uh, that half goal off the board so that you don't have the push here, you can go under five and a half at plus 120, but it's not such a huge jump in value that I that I'd take the push off the board. So I'll stick with under six at plus one hundred. We got Vancouver up next in the, one of the later games in Minnesota against the Wild. The Wild at home are favored at minus one seventy. The visitors visiting Canucks who've been struggling at plus one forty five. I wouldn't touch either one of those lines. I'm expecting Winnipeg um, uh, sorry, Minnesota to win this game. So I'm attracted to the puck line bet here, plus 140 for the home side. The over-under set at six and a half. I think I might go to the overside here just because the Canucks have been a little loose defensively and the Wild have a prolific offense. So I could see some numbers offensively in this one. Yeah, I absolutely agree with all of your takes there, Paul. I think the the over makes sense here. Um, in, in terms of this one, of course, I say that and Marc-Andre Fleury will bounce back from those two bad outings uh, and do something crazy here. But overall, looking at how they've been to start the season, I think the over is the best play. 
AJ, what about, I think this next one's the signature game of the night, Carolina in Edmonton. We're seeing two of the teams that are among the favorites in their respective conferences. And uh, the over-under set at six and a half. The, uh, the uh, money line is minus 110 for both sides. And uh, Edmonton on the puck line is a plus 210, while Carolina as a visitor is a minus 250 here. Where's the value for you? Well, I know, Paul, you highlighted uh, in the DraftKings segment that you did earlier today uh, on their platform that, that Connor McDavid has struggled against Carolina. And that has been a, a talking point heading into this game. And I'm pretty confident that Connor McDavid's probably aware of that. So I think if you want a little less risk, uh, I, I would take him anytime goal scorer at plus 105 here. I, I think he comes into this game motivated to kind of get that monkey off his back. And I think he'll score a goal. I'm actually willing to go so far as to say if if I'm just betting for myself here, I'm going to look at first goal scorers. So first, you know, first person scoring the game comes in at plus 950 here for Connor McDavid. I think he just comes into this one with a, a, a fire lit under him and he just goes into this game hardcore and gets that first goal. So I really like that one, um, just at least for myself or, or anybody willing to take a little bit more risk there. But I like anytime goal scorer plus 105 here. Yeah, I might even go so far as to join you and, and say on the puck line, I'll take Edmonton to win this game, uh, taking advantage of home ice and the fact that their star players should be extra motivated. Be a tough out, though, against the Carolina club that does pay, play it tight and uh, gets their share of shots on goal, but certainly limits the opposition. I think they'll be hard-pressed to do that if the Oilers found, find a higher gear. Uh, we're getting down to the short strokes here of the later part of the schedule. Buffalo Sabres against Calgary. The Sabres have looked quite good in the early going. This is a matchup of two teams that are big and strong in terms of size components. So I'm expecting a bit of physicality here. And uh, I think that should get the home crowd energized. And that could serve Calgary well. I think uh, it's a very close bet on the puck line. It's a minus 105 for the Sabres and a minus 115 for Calgary. On the money line, the Sabres are a big favorite uh, for a payoff as an underdog, I'll say. I got it reversed. The big favorite on home ice is Calgary at minus 295. I think those are long, long odds. I'd take a shot at the Sabres here at plus 245, AJ. Yeah, and even like a little less risk on that. I, You know, normally when you're taking the plus goal and a half on the puck line, like it's not worth it. Like we just talked about Carolina is minus 250, you know, with the goal and a half. Like that's – the value is just not there. No. Here you can get the Savers plus a goal and a half at minus 105. I actually think that's pretty decent value. So they don't even have to you know, win the game. They can lose by one. You're getting a pretty good return here. Uh, and, and I like that spot. And finally, we get to Winnipeg Jets against the Vegas Golden Knights. I said that uh, Vegas has surprised us early on with a strong start, particularly defensively. And I think Winnipeg has uh, got a key guy out of the lineup uh, that's caused a rejuggling of their offense. So I think I'm going to favor the home side in this one. And they're a minus 205. So there's not much value there, AJ, I don't think. But maybe if you go to the, the puck line at plus 125, you might find it in there instead. I think both offenses could go off. So the over-under at six and a half is vulnerable on the overside for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, agree with both of those takes. Uh, I, I like the Knights here in this one as well. Um, but again, minus 205, just not enough value there. Um, so I'll, I'll go with, uh, with, with your picks here, Paul. All right. So uh, I, I think that's our first run through that we've ever done something like that, AJ. And I think uh, I'm going to enjoy doing this uh, 
a uh, bit of a deviation from our DFS plays. We'll mix that in a little bit later on in the season too. We'll go, maybe go back and forth from week to week, but that's what you can expect in the DraftKings segment for the sports book going forward. And we hope you, we've given you some thoughts there. AJ, any final thoughts as we go into, we're into week two of the national hockey league season. I'm already finding myself in a groove looking forward to the, the action on, uh, on uh, many platforms and uh, the opportunity to go to a game or two as well. I uh, funny, I, I was planning on going to tonight's game. I have sold, a few tickets so far this season and i didn't realize i had this one for sale so it surprised me when i got a notice oh these tickets are sold so i have had to make other plans i'll be in front of my tv instead of winging my way downtown well hey i mean you know the no traffic uh you know no no long lines at the bathroom uh, so you know there there's there's uh advent you know advantages to watching at home there paul <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode of RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, we remind you that we're here to help you with all things related to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We're back to our normal Tuesday Tuesday slot, so you'll be hearing from us again in no no more than five days. We're away for nine, so we'll, we'll get back on schedule next week, and we hope you tune in. So long, everybody.